Here in the United States, over 45 million children and teens participate in organized sports every year. It's no secret that youth sports are costing families more and more in terms of time, effort, and money. If we allow it, this growing commitment can cut into our commitment to live a life of faithful Christian discipleship. Many youth workers and pastors lament how youth sports are taking so many kids away from opportunities for Christian nurture and growth. Today, I'm talking to our youth worker friend, Jason Engel, about how we can best navigate youth sports and church participation on this episode of Youth Culture Matters. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding, this is Youth Culture Matters. If you're a parent, youth worker, educator, counselor, grandparent, or anyone else who cares about kids, we're glad you've joined us for this practical, informative, and hope-filled podcast. This is a place where together we talk and think Christianly about the rapidly changing world of today's children, teens, and young adults. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Youth Culture Matters. I'm Walt Mueller here at CPYU, back in our studio here in central Pennsylvania. And as we always do here on Youth Culture Matters, we work to talk about issues in youth culture and how the scriptures, God's truth, uh, the gospel guides us into living correctly and, and honoring the Lord, bringing glory to God in everything we do. And certainly, in our world today, you know, sports is such a big thing. I mean, I love them. Chris, who's here sitting across from me, he loves them. Of course, we love different teams. He's wrong in his uh, allegiances. But sports are huge. I mean, it's uh, both with our fandom, right, as spectators, whether it's professional sports, college sports, or even youth sports these days. I think back to when I was playing Little League Baseball, and, you know, my, my dad coached, but my mom you know, never really showed up at too many of the games. She was there from time to time. It just wasn't that big a deal, and it wasn't a time taker like it is now. It wasn't certainly an idol, although for some people I'm sure it was like it is now. But this is something I think in youth ministry and in our families we need to reckon with. And so we're going to have a conversation today focusing on youth sports, and we've invited in our friend Jason Engel. Jason, welcome. Hey, Walt. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, so for those who don't know you, you've been on the podcast before, and and we've had lots of interactions. You're one of our research fellows here at CPYU. Just uh, give folks a little bit of background on who you are, where you are, what you're doing. Yeah, so I'm serving as the pastor of students and discipleship in Roxboro, North Carolina. That's uh, about 30 miles up the road from Durham, uh, Raleigh area. So been here for 17 years and uh, just incredibly blessed uh, to be in this church uh, with the staff that I get to serve with. It's just an incredible blessing to me and our family. I'm, I'm married to Aaron. We've been married coming up on 20 years um, here. Shortly, we'll be celebrating that and have three kids and uh, just enjoy pouring into students and, and pouring into student ministry leaders. So, mm, Yeah. Well, and, and we're thrilled with what you're doing because one of the things about Jason, I'll say this is when we find youth workers who are theologically grounded, really committed to the scriptures, to the truth of God's word, and then um, thoughtful as well, and really working hard uh, to do youth ministry that fosters growth. Uh, we we love folks like that. So I'll, I'll puff you up a little bit, Jason. There, I know, I know you well enough to know you would say, "Oh, all glory to God," and and we all say that, you know, with humility <laughs> because it's just by God's goodness and grace. But um, we love brother. love the emphasis of your ministry. So. Uh, you're one, as I said, you're one of our research fellows here at CPYU, and one of the the new projects we have with this group of 12, who we actually really pulled together and launched back in the spring of this year, is some uh, it's some writing. And one of the writing projects that we have is a new resource that we have here at CPYU called the CPYU Parent Prompt. And our goal is to get these out weekly. We have a variety of people writing them, and basically. It's our effort to make parents, to make youth workers aware with a free resource that's, I hope, I trust, very you know, meaty, uh, make them aware of a current cultural trend and look at how the scriptures would address that and then how we, in very practical ways, can walk with our kids uh, in our churches, in our homes, through this in ways that glorify God. And so a lot of that, and I think as we talk about youth sports, because you wrote one recently on youth sports and church participation which folks mm-hmm. can go and download that on our website. You know, youth sports, as you, we'll talk about this, it's not a bad thing, but <clears throat> sports is not a bad thing. It, but it becomes, if it becomes an ultimate thing in our lives, 
uh, we're worshiping created things rather than the creator. And there's a word for that, right? I mean, it's idolatry, and we certainly don't right. want to lead people into that. So we would say sports is a, a good thing, but we have to put it in its proper place, whether we're spectating, playing, raising parents who are athletes or whatnot. So I was I was really thrilled to have you write this, Jason, because one of the questions that I'm getting a ton from youth workers now, I mean, it seems to be, it seems to be one of the biggest questions is, you know, hey, I have kids who are athletes and it just seems like the athletics and the devotion to the athletics is really taking up a lot of time. It's moved beyond in the last few years just hearing the complaints about this on, let's say, Wednesday nights, if that's your youth group night, you know, that my kids are staying late for practice, they're not able to be involved in youth group, they're not able to be involved in Bible studies. Now it's moved to Sunday mornings. And I know here, I'll just say this, Chris is aware of this, where we live, we have a place just a couple of miles down the road, which I think it's billed as the largest indoor uh, sports facility, and it's outdoor as well, in North America. And my wife and I, when we travel down the highway 18 miles to our church every Sunday morning, down and back, we pass this thing, and at I'm telling you, it's 7.45 in the morning on Sundays. There are cars just lined up, backed up on the highway to get off the exit, just trying to get their parking spaces as, you know, it just seems like every weekend there's some large youth event going on there with sports, mm-hmm. a tournament of some sorts. And, and it's not just our high school kids anymore. I'm talking to people who are, sh- you know, shuttling their kids sometimes on airplanes or hundreds of miles at six and seven years old. And there's a lot behind this, but why don't you go ahead, talk a little bit about uh, the format that we use in the, in the parent prompts, and then give us a little bit of what you gave us just in terms of setting the table for what we need to know about youth sports as we start this conversation. Sure. So I'll, I'll say first about the parent prompts, uh, just how helpful they are to me as a, as a student ministry leader and as a father. Um, I have three children, so, um, you know, it hits right at very relevant conversations I'm having with them. And um, Walt, I'll just say this, how much I appreciate this. We are in the process of kind of revamping the hallway outside of our student ministry room where we meet for our student worship and uh, where we have uh, other events for students and programs there. Um, I am, as a part of that renovation, I'm building a resource wall and going to begin to put these out there uh, just all over the wall so that parents, every time they come in there, um, can, can, you know, browse through the topics and and pull from them the PDFs that I've I've printed off for them um, to to take with them and use with their families. So this is just an invaluable resource. And um, I'm appreciative of of your work in, in heading this up and allowing us to be able to take part in that is just an incredible uh, resource, but um, I, I love the way they're they're laid out. Uh, it begins in the world, so beginning to just offer a snapshot of what the reality is, what is going on. Um, you know, so just a summary of of what's going on in our world and in the culture with this topic, and then it turns to the Word. What does God's Word say about it? Um, and that is incredibly important, especially in a uh, in a culture where more and more um, you know, biblical illiteracy is the is this is commonplace. Uh, we need to know what the word says about certain things and uh, relevant topics that we're thinking through. Um, and then it wraps up with the walk, um, offering parents some conversation starters, some questions that they can work through themselves or be able to take to their kids and work through that with them. And I think that's invaluable. Uh, bringing kids into these conversations, not in sharing authority with their children, but bringing them into the conversation and listening to what they have to say about it, hearing their perspective, and just working through together and seeking wisdom on how to answer these very crucial questions that we face in our culture. Um, so I, I love the format. Um, you know, with with this particular topic, um, I really did a lot of, I spent a lot of time looking for um, looking for some, some, some statistics out there. And you can find a lot of statistics on youth sports, um, and uh, travel ball and these and these sorts of things, but uh, I was just astonished to find very little uh, on this um, specific element of youth sports and encroaching on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and um, the the taking the place of when families uh, traditionally gather for uh, church together. Um, and I even reached out to a couple of uh, couple of folks that I know are, are are working in this field from a Christian standpoint 
And they have written on several topics dealing with, with youth sports, but have not really done much with that. So it was hard to find some things specifically towards that. Um, but I'm hopeful that as this trend continues more and more, we'll do some work in that area. But uh, what I was blown away with is uh, the first point that I put there. Um, I'll just read it. In 2019, the market for youth sports in the U.S. exceeded $19 billion with travel and club sports accounting for much of the recent growth with the worldwide market at just under 25 billion. So that means that the market here in the US is 19 billion of a worldwide 25 billion um, dollar market, which says that this is uh, primarily a problem where we are, um, where we live. But projections have that market, that worldwide market topping out at $77 billion by 2026. So. Mm -hmm. You know, for a lot of folks who may say, well, this is just a trend. It's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to last. Well, the the research says otherwise. Um, it is trending upward and it's trending upward in just astronomical uh, figures uh, with how much money is being poured into this and how much participation is there. Um, so, you know, it's just becoming more and more prevalent for families. And as you were talking just a second ago, it, it stuck out to me, you know, this this idea that the, the, the scriptures teach us that we as strangers and aliens here, we are to be in the world, but not of it. Mm. And, you know, with 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 athletics being an, an important thing, being a good thing, my son loves playing baseball. I mean, it's that's he just loves playing. I, I love that because I was a baseball player. So that's something we get to do together. Um, but as as the as the cultural perspective on athletics changes and that tide begins to wash over us, um, just because athletics is a good thing doesn't necessarily justify our being swept up with the cultural tide um, and how it how it begins to define how people should participate in that. And, you know, that's the problem, isn't it? it it's hard because we want our kids to be able to play the sports that we played or play the sports that they're good at, that they are excelling in. But it almost feels as if you have to be all in or nothing. And that's where the rubber meets the road for families. And, you know, we have to have a, a little bit of a posture of empathy with that uh, to get into the shoes of parents to understand, you know, why this is so hard, why it's why it's difficult in thinking about their kids choosing to not participate in these things, um, because it is just becoming so prevalent. So many people are doing it. Could I? It, yeah, I'm going to throw in I was in preparing for this. I was looking online. There's a couple of organizations that really deal with this. In, in somewhat of a depth, I mean, and increasingly so, uh, there's an organization called the Aspen Institute, which mm -hmm. has put out some things. Maybe you encountered them. I'm not sure. When That's you were where I got those okay, figures yeah. I just shared. Yeah. 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 So some other things I found, let me let me throw some other ones out because you, you really, I think that statistic you first gave really captures the overall when you look at the amount of money mm -hmm. we're spending and what's expected to be spent. You know, it's just ramping up. So yeah. in 2020, uh, over 56% of kids ages 6 to 12 and over 73% of those ages 13 to 17 played a team or individualized sport. Over 45 million children and teens in the United States participate in organized sports annually. This is what's interesting. I, I found this from the Department of Health uh, and Human Services. Because of health concerns with kids and kids not moving around as much, the problem of obesity, they're actually pushing for over 63% of students to be playing organized sports by 2030. So there's yeah. the health concern, which is a noble thing, right, to get out mm -hmm. and to play. Now, part of the problem, and we've talked about this elsewhere on this podcast and at cpyu.org, is that free play is on a decline. And there's numerous reasons for yeah. that because we're overscheduling our kids, free play being you know, come home from school, change into your play clothes, which is old school, right? And get outside <laughs> and don't come home till you hear the dinner bell. Do not come home. And we don't, we're not even going to track where you are. Uh, Whoever so, wanted to go home before you heard that. That's exactly bell. right. Oh man, we got to go home. <laughs> you know, so that kind of play, free play is on a decline. And there, there's numerous issues related to that because now everything's mm -hmm. supervised, everything's pushy. Um, I, there's been a decline in resilience because kids are not learning how to solve their issues with each other and their disagreements on the, you know, on the backyard field, sometimes with black eyes and punches and things like that. <laughs> not that we would promote that, but that certainly has changed. I mean, we all learned a lot from that. And then, you know, safetyism with which, of course, in, right. um, you know, Jonathan Haidt, Greg Lukianoff in, in The Coddling of the American Mind, they write about that as well. So free play is on a decline. Uh, numerous reasons, as we said. 
Three out of four families in the U.S. with school-aged children have at least one child participating mm-hmm. in organized sports. And think about, like, we did this. We have four kids, and our kids, I, I, people often ask if you could do anything differently in terms of scheduling your time. I think we would have not allowed the involvement that we did. Now, this was all mm. involvement that was uh, expressed. It was an expressed desire of our kids. It was nothing we said, you're doing this. Now, we had them fulfill their commitments, obviously, and I don't really remember um, any of my kids pushing back a whole lot once they signed up for something. Um, but just think about that. I mean, we for us, what we would change is I remember weekends, and I was just talking to someone about this, where you're going – six different directions on a Saturday with four kids because of the sports involvement. And yeah, yeah, so I've got, we often joke, my, my oldest son who played numerous things right up through college still laments the fact and says we were bad parents because we didn't let him play ice hockey, which that's another (laughs) thing I'll get to in a minute. But that was like, no, no, no way we're doing that. Um, You've you've got enough on your plate for that. Now here's what's in a couple more. I'll give you real quick. Um, Approximately, I found this hard to believe. I, I, maybe it's true, but approximately 20% of United States teens ages 14 to 17 are employed as coaches or refs in youth sports. Hmm. That's just, you know, one out of five teens ages 14 wow. to 17. Now, I guess I have seen that because my grandkids are playing now, and so I've seen umpires, referees, mm-hmm. and even assistant coaches who are coaching. And then – this is something we want to come back to later, I think, and you may hit on this, but 70% of our kids stop playing organized sports by the age of 13 due to the ultra-competitive nature. Yeah. And there's issues with that as well because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just screaming coaches and screaming parents and kids can't handle it, and that undermines their, their well-being. Um, and it even, I would, you know, trauma is a big word now, but I think, you know, maybe it's traumatizing kids, I don't know. But then the other side of that is that you've got kids who maybe are late bloomers or who have God-given gifts and abilities that we should be encouraging in athletics who drop out, and so they're not exercising their gifts. So, yeah, um, man, that and and the amount of money that that's amazing when I when I think yeah. about that. So, by the way, on we when you talked about the money, uh, I mentioned ice hockey. I, I found this statistic: the registration cost for one sport. Uh, annually can be as high as over $4,000 and ice hockey's that one equipment travel and training. So yeah, it's a, and nearly 60% of families are saying it's a financial strain, but we'll just, mm-hmm. we'll let that, we'll let that happen. So uh, yeah, so many things there. So go ahead, finish finish up with what you were going to say there on before I so no, rudely I interrupted say with more stats. No, 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 that's great. And all of it works together, but I, you know, for me and, and something that we're experiencing right now <clears throat> is that families like our family that choose very convictionally and very intentionally to not participate in travel sports or club sports. Um, You know, my kids play Parks and Rec, uh, Little League, and um, I think the past three or four seasons, my kids have been involved in in baseball or softball through the Little League. I have had to call the coach from the very beginning to let them know that the practice time doesn't work for our family because more and more – practices are being scheduled for Sunday evenings or for Wednesday evenings. And, you know, currently my daughter is playing uh, fall ball, uh, softball, and, um, you know, it's just 10 or 11 games. It's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not high stress. It's, it's just kids learning. It's, it's more of a developmental time. The fall is. And uh, we heard from uh, Lydia's coach last week that, uh, you know, just an introduction. Hi, I'm the coach. We're going to be practicing Wednesday nights. And so, uh, you know, I had to touch base with him. And the very first thing I say is, you know, we, we have life groups that night. We, we, we're not going to be able to do that. And so, you know, I think it just speaks to the fact that we're so busy as a culture. We have less and less margin in our lives. And those margins have bled into what we traditionally have marked off because families are involved in church. And as our, cult- uh, as our culture changes um, and less and less families are involved in church in a meaningful way, um, you know, less and less of those times are guarded. Um, so now it's 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 nothing to see tournaments taking place on a Sunday morning or practices even for a rec league on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. When, you know, when I was a kid, um, those times were very guarded. Uh, there was never anything scheduled because none of the none of the players would come because all the families were involved in church. So I think it just speaks to where we are as a culture and. Um, you know, how our culture has evolved over the years um, to uh, no longer guard those times that, that traditionally were for the sake of church. 
Can I back up? I want to ask you a question because you're in the thick of it there, and, and I see it from where I sit. So when I was growing up, <laughs> a long time ago, when all we used was wood bats, by the way, and I played <laughs> baseball, uh, my, my grandsons are asking about that, and I have this big collection that's growing of wood bats. I have some classic oh, nice. old wood bats, which is kind of fun, so they're fascinated by that. They didn't <laughs> even know wood was a thing, I don't think. Anyway, um, you know, so when I was playing, it was just sports, right? You're just playing sports, yeah. but you used some terms there. You talked about rec sports, uh, mm-hmm. you talked about club sports, you talked about travel sports. Right. All right, get, just, I mean, look, I think all of us who are in youth ministry, we kind of know how this is. And there's there's sort of a, a, a some status, different statuses mm-hmm. applied to each of those. Unpack that a little bit in terms of how you see that culture working out and what that means for parents, you know, regarding yeah. status and perhaps even living vicariously through your kids. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So as you, you know, as you move from a rec program, which is just open to anybody in the community, uh, that's that's what you and I probably participated in. Um, you know, what we were used to just playing in the Little League. And uh, there was a season for that, right? It was defined. Um, it starts on this date. It ends on this date. And uh, then you have all stars if you make that. And it kind of goes through a little bit of the summer. But then then, then it's done. And you're not playing baseball again until the next summer and unless you're able to play on a uh, old enough to play on a on a school team um so that's rec leagues um but then you move up to um, club teams and travel teams which are really performance based uh, most of them you have tryouts that you have to uh, perform in such a way that you make the team but there's also a financial cost and a calendar cost to that um, that you are making a commitment to pay X amount of dollars, you know, just to get in, just to, just to play. Um, but then you're, you're purchasing all kinds of equipment and all kinds of things. Um, and then the cost that uh, you may not think about on the front end of that is the travel cost, the uh, hotel cost, the eating out cost. Um, uh, not to mention the one that we don't think about a lot, which I think is to our great detriment. And that is the calendar cost. Um, how much of our time is going to be taken by this? And, you know, I've never met and, and spoken to a parent who is involved in a club team or a travel team um, that said, yeah, it, everything was exactly what we expected. It always exceeds expectations in a negative way as far as what it's going to cost mm-hmm. both financially and time wise. Um, so this is the new this is the new norm as as kids are pushed to specialize in sports at a very young age. Um, where there's not a defined season. Now you can play baseball year round virtually. You can play volleyball year round. And uh, parents are starting to be told when their kids are very young, if they have any kind of potential that's seen on on the field, um, that if if there's any hopes for them to play on the high school team or to play past college or past high school to college, you're going to have to be a part of these teams because they're going to be behind if they don't. So Parents are just feeling more and more pressure, and, and you hit the nail on the head right there, too, with, with just societal pressure. All of the other families that I know, their kids are a part of this, and we can get sucked into that very easily, that we've got to keep up with the other families. My kids have to keep up with them, with what they're doing. And so I sense that even here in a small rural area um, where there's tremendous pressure on parents that come to me and even say, you know, we want to guard church, but they have to play, you know, they, they're all their friends are doing this. And so, you know, parents are just feeling pressure on all kinds of levels from all kinds of directions and in, in participating in these things. And again, I think that we need to be aware of that. Yeah. So difficult decisions need to be made. And this is where I think in terms of discipleship, it becomes costly, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the cost of following Jesus as opposed to the cost of paying for all these things. And I'm not saying that is a blanket statement for everyone involved. Everybody needs to evaluate their own priorities and what their calendars, you said, and what their their uh, wallet, uh, their Venmo account says, whatever. You know, what does this say about what our priorities are? I want to throw this in and just before we take a break, and that is this, that, you know, I've been around long enough to watch this, this crazy travel stuff. And when I say travel, for showcase things and tournaments and things like that. I'm going to tell you, those things are brilliant uh, business strategies that are cash cows for the organizers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And people buy into this that if I don't go to this, my kid's going to get left behind. And meanwhile, they don't realize that so much of this is really being driven economically to put money 
in the pockets of the organizers and then the communities where these things take place. I mean, it is, I, this is one statistic I'd love to see, like mm. how much on average families who are involved in these travel teams and these showcase things, how much money they're spending over the mm. course of the year. And is that, it, you know, and, and we're going to get to this after the break, I'm sure you're going to bring this up, but you're talking about finances, calendar, the costs there. I mean, what about the costs in terms of spiritual nurturing growth in the lives of our oh, kids? Yeah. And what Absolutely. they learn is most important because parents, they're going to learn from you what is most important. So this is so good, Jason. We're and here's take... the truth, Walt, oh, yeah. to, to that. Oh, no, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go yeah. ahead. Just, just to say this, that we, we have created such a secular, sacred divide in our minds that we think that uh, with you talking about the spiritual cost, um, that the cost is then there is no spirituality. No, there is. Um, you know, the cost is that parents will not be discipling their kids instead of deciding, no, you are. Um, we are always discipling our kids. We're always leading them spiritually. We're always teaching them theologically. And that's something that we've got to understand that as we make these decisions, we are helping to form as parents these theological, spiritual foundations for our kids. And statistics continue to show that, that the parents are the primary faith influencers of their children. They, they need to embrace that role, but naturally they fall into that role. And so we as parents need to steward that well. And this is, this is a key aspect to that in our culture right now that parents need to be sober to. Yeah, so good. Hey, we're chatting with Jason Engel here, one of our CPYU research fellows who has written a, a tremendous, tremendously helpful piece uh, for one of our CPYU parent prompts on youth sports and church participation. By the way, before we jump into the break, Folks, I want to remind you that everything we mention here in terms of websites or resources or whatever, uh, Chris Wagner here at CPYU, who's in the studio with us now, will be posting those on the show notes, link to the, links to those things. If you scroll down on the player at our homepage, cpyu.org, you will find all those links so you can access those things. So stick with us. We'll be back to continue our conversation. Youth workers, we're thrilled to announce that registration is now open for our second annual Northeast Youth Ministry Summit to be held from March 4 to 7, 2024 in beautiful Ligonier, Pennsylvania. This practical and hope-filled youth ministry training conference is co-sponsored by CPYU and our friends at Reformed Youth Ministries. Our theme this year is Cultivating Wisdom and Discernment. You will experience theologically sound youth ministry training, a great sense of community, rich times of worship, exposure to great resources, and opportunities to grow in your effectiveness at ministering to the emerging generations. Last year's first ever Northeast Youth Ministry Summit was a great time of being equipped, connected, and encouraged. Space is limited, so you will want to register soon. You can learn more, see the schedule, meet the speakers, and register at nymsummit.org. That's nymsummit.org. Well, welcome back, everybody, to this episode of Youth Culture Matters. Again, chatting with Jason Engel, our friend here on youth sports and church participation. And Jason, in your parent prompt, as we do with all our parent prompts, we jump from what's happening in the world to looking into God's Word. And by the way, I'm just going to mention that this whole paradigm is one that I've laid out. Youth workers, you might be interested in this in a little book, very affordable, called A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. You can find it on our website at cpyu.org or online where books are sold. This is one that you can put in the hands of your students to teach them how to think Christianly through this paradigm, these three steps of world, word, and walk. So, Jason, jump us into the word here. We've talked about what's happening in the world regarding youth sports. Give us some insights here that would be good guidelines for us in terms of how to think theologically and biblically about this issue? Sure. I think the the first thing, and this is what I, I placed first in this section um, of this particular prompt, is um, I didn't put it in the first paragraph there, but, um, you know, Peter in his, in his first letter um, writes three times that we need to be sober-minded. Um, and I think about that term a lot in our world. And um, our hearts have been so shaped by sin and flesh 
that we have come to buy into this idea that if it resonates with my own spirit, then 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 that that means that it's okay with the Holy Spirit, that that it's something good to do, that it's justified. And we need to be very careful that we do not become numb to our tendency towards idolatry. We have to understand just, you know, I think it was Keller that said, and he may have borrowed it from somebody else, that our, our hearts are idle factories. And this is the truth. Um, you know, we not only are caught up in idolatry, our hearts define new idols. We produce idols to worship. And this is especially true if we're not abiding in Christ, uh, right? We will worship. We're created to be worship worshipers. And so we just need to be 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 sober to that, sober-minded to the reality that we have a tendency toward idolatry. And um, it's amazing as I have conversations with parents dealing with this issue, um, that they're not they're not even thinking in terms of idolatry. Uh, if we are disciples of Christ, we can't afford to not think in those terms, especially living in the world that we're in. We've got to be we've got to be aware of our tendency um, to uh, to drift into idolatry and just the sinfulness of our own hearts um, and uh, the the reality of our battle against the flesh and our battle against sin. Um, and what happens is, you know, something I shared with with Kyle actually uh, the other day as we were. Um, on on his podcast for a little bit, um, having a conversation about the story of God and how that shapes us. The truth is, Walt, I think that we have lost the story. Um, I think we've lost the story as a church in our culture. And so, uh, so often what we tend to do is we try to fit Jesus or the gospel into whatever story the culture is telling, and we try to call that Christianity. And I think that's one of the reasons why the church is um, failing to produce new disciples and 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 being so frustrated all of the time is because we're not being aligned with God's story. We're trying to align Him with whatever story we want to latch onto from the culture. Yeah. And I think that's the truth of this. You know, we want our kids to excel. Um, our kids too often are the idols in our home. Uh, so we worship their um, excellence. We worship their success, and we're willing to do anything financially or with our calendar to make that happen. Um, and then we get frustrated when things don't turn out, or then we place upon them the burden of performance for us, which is very dangerous. Um, our kids were not created to be idols for us. Um, and that breaks that relationship and, and really, really causes harm to our families when that happens. Um, so we need to align our lives and make sure that our children's lives are aligned with the objective um, of God and redemption. And that from the scriptures we find out in Ephesians is that he is uniting all things in Christ. You know, he's redeemed us to bring us back to himself and that until we see him as the treasure, um, our hearts will never find rest, rest or sufficiency or satisfaction in anything else. And um, we busy ourselves so much with pursuing a thousand other things and we miss the goodness of life that God has for us that can only be found in him and abiding in him. And so I think that we've just got to be careful with that and you know, we, we have the tendency to say, I can be a part of this just a little bit and only go so far, but you know as well as I do that when we give an inch, often we find ourselves going miles beyond that. And I think that happens a lot of times um, with travel sports. Yeah. Um, families do not get involved um, with the idea that we're going to abandon church and begin to pursue this. Um, and um, they, they end up going far further than they would have at the beginning just because their hearts become numb to it and they don't even understand that they're falling into patterns of idolatry. Yeah, and it's, it's like you said, it starts with a little bit of an inch, like, okay, just this one week, we're going right. to do this. And yeah. then there's a little bit of success and there's some reward. Uh, there's some yeah. attention that's given and very easily that just sort of is like it's hypnotic. It just lulls us to sleep. I think something right. you said earlier, I just want to reiterate, I, uh, you, you talked a bit about dualism or this sacred secular divide and how this works yeah. out in this, that many of us believe that, well, if we just have a little piece of church, a little piece of Jesus, a little piece of Christianity, right. that's what it is. It, you know, our faith is just one among many pursuits and activities in our lives, rather than seeing that as the the overarching telos trajectory of our lives, everything comes under the authority of God, and we work that mm. out with wisdom and discernment. We make difficult decisions. We are countercultural. We can expect, because of our decisions, to be persecuted, to be mocked, perhaps, to be put down. Nobody likes that. But I think that's at work and at play in this as well. So we want to push, and I hear you talk about this all the time, Jason, just in your own ministry. We want to push 
parents to understand a faith that is not disintegrated, where That's it right. is only a part of life, you know, one little box of life among yep. many, many boxes that we keep in our closets of life, but rather it is integrated and woven through every nook and cranny of life. Mm. Jesus is Lord overall, and that includes, overall. you know, right. athletics. Uh, can I just, as an aside here, you know, with the idolatry thing, I just want to talk a bit about parents and the role that social media plays in fueling mm. this. And yeah. maybe just some, I'd, I'd love to hear what you say. I think, you know, just as we look at our calendars and just as we look at our wallets and our checkbooks, I don't even know if anybody writes checks anymore, but uh, <laughs> checkbooks, for those of you who don't know what that is, we'll include a link to Wikipedia. Crystal, here's what a checkbook is. Um, I think we need to look at our social media posts as well, because mm. that's going to say what's most important. And I, you know, it used to be if someone achieved something on the athletic field, the people who were there in the moment knew about it. And you right. just let your actions speak for itself. Or, you know, you could call your grandparents when you got home and say, hey, guess what? You know, I hit a home run. Um, you know, yeah. whatever it was, I made a great catch, whatever whatever that might be. Now we photograph it and we put these pictures up. And as parents, we're putting our kids out there. And I think not only is that, you know, vicarious living through our kids, I think mm. we really need to step back. Some people, oh, that's not, I'm just trying to share. Uh, think about the motivation yeah. of that, you know, really think through that. And not only do we do that, but I think it puts a extra pressure on our kids to achieve because they start to, to think maybe, maybe just Absolutely. unconsciously, they start to realize, Hey, it's when I achieve well, that I get my parents' mm -hmm. attention and the mm -hmm. strokes and the kudos and the pats on the back. And I right. want my kids to know I love them no matter what. Um, yeah. I coached for a long time. I know. I think you've coached, and and I remember mm -hmm. early on. You know, some of the mantras in our circle of coaches locally was, you know, hey, here's what's going to happen to do. We're gonna, you know, try hard. We're gonna learn, and we're gonna have fun. Mm -hmm. And yep. nobody's gonna be. I mean, the chances, the chances are so minuscule that someone's gonna make a living at this. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. Or get a college scholarship. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's there's oh, yeah. more of more of a chance of that, but even that is pretty slim. And I don't, yeah. I don't know that we should be banking our kids' futures on that and, and causing them to have to feel the pressure for that. And, you know, I hear parents verbalize that sometimes to their kids, you know, um, you know, good grief. Can you not see how much pressure is already on our, our kids in a social media age? And then to, to put that on top of them too, that, that college is, is banking on your performance at this sport. Um, but yeah, as a coach, I think, um, the most frustrated I get with parents are those parents. And, and there seems to be more and more of them um, that video every single at bat, every single swing, every single play. And, you know, I, I watch some of these kids and some of them have, have really good potential, really good ball players, but I just watch them tense up at the plate. You know, when, when the parent comes behind them and, and clicks on the, the video to start the video, because they're very aware of this. They're very aware of how this is going to get played back later, very aware that their parent is looking for something to be able to post to be proud of them. And, you know, something that I just grieve over in our culture is that kids, you know, you talked about free play earlier. Um, kids don't even free play with these sports in backyards anymore. Um, it's almost like they need a reprieve from that even when they're home because they're doing it so much out here that they're not even getting together as community kids just to get out and play ball. Um, and that's just, that's a tragedy to me because a lot of my memories, um, I have memories from the little league field, but most of my memories are with buddies in the backyard with a, with a bat and a ball, just playing around and having fun. And, um, I think that's detrimental all the way around from a coaching standpoint, kids know less about the game, even though they're playing it more. Can you believe that? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's just because they're, it's so individualized now and it's so based on performance and, um, you know, like I said, our kids were not created to be idols. They can't hold up under that. And parents can't hold up under that if, um, if that's what they're worshiping. And I just think it's a dangerous trend. Yeah. I had an interesting conversation with my oldest son. So he played a lot of sports. Um, he's coached all the way, you know, at multiple levels, middle school up to uh, uh, college level. Now he has uh, my one grandson who's six, his son 
has a real interest in baseball, is playing baseball. So we drove out on Saturday to watch this, all right? And mm-hmm. uh, there's not a lot of action out there on the field. The kids are pitching. Uh, kids are getting <laughs> hit and crying, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting to watch. And so as we were sitting there talking, you know, he was pointing out some things about some of the parents on the sideline because he's had to deal with parents, you know, when he was when he was coaching at the high school level. And we started to reminisce a little bit about – football in our community Mm -hmm. here and one of the things he said we kept him out of football till eighth grade we refused to allow him to play um you know uh, the youth football in the community and that was an easy decision for me because when he expressed an interest as a young boy I went down to the field one night to watch what was happening with the coaches and I came home and said to my wife there's no way he's not playing this he's going to go to the you know to the to the high to the middle school eighth grade it's not until he's in school And one of the things he said was this. He said, you know, these parents pressure their kids so much at young ages. And he said, Dad, do you remember back to the youth football in town and how so many of the kids that I played baseball with were on the youth football teams and, you know, some of them had great potential? He said, do you realize that out of the dozens of kids who did that, by the time I was a senior in high school, there were only two guys on our high school team who played youth football? Wow. And it was one was a starter in high school, the other was not. And it was interesting, you know, just there's the burnout thing, right? They mm-hmm. just kind of moved on to other things. And I, uh, yeah, so, I mean, parents need to realize this, that it's, yeah. it's, it's killing our kids. I mean, you talk about mental yeah. health issues. Well, go on a little bit more. Um, talk a little bit about yeah. church. Yeah, you hit you hit on something a little bit earlier. I was trying to remember exactly how you put it. But, um, you know, one of the one of the justifications I hear a lot of times from parents um, almost every time, actually, is that, oh, there, there's a great devotion that we do at the ball field on Sunday mornings. Or, <laughs> you know, there's so, you know, such and such who's always there and he's just yeah. a wonderful teacher and he always leads us in a little devotion. Or, our, you know, we are helping the helping the team get together and pray before every game on a Sunday morning and this and that. And, you know, I do think that there can be a missional aspect to this. And I think that there should be as our kids participate in things in the community. You know, we should look for how we as a family can be missional to other families. But um, I do think that there is a line there. And um, well, I think it's I think it's detrimental that we oftentimes think about the cost in terms of attendance. And this is where I think student ministry leaders really need to do a better job of teaching about church and church membership to students, even when they're young, especially when they are young. Um, you know, I, I defend our students um, a lot, and I, I remind our students of this quite often, um, that when somebody says to me that our students are the church of tomorrow, I'm very quick to uh, correct them. No, if, if the Spirit of God dwells within them, if they are in united with Christ in faith, then they are very much a part of the church today. And our student ministry is not just some department over here that's, that's, that's other than the church. We are a part of the church, and we are, we are a part of the same body of Christ and, you know, there's such an emphasis on attendance that we miss the point of church. The point of church is not attendance. The point of church is Jesus redeeming a bride to himself. And we are swept up in that. And we are to posture ourselves towards the church is not something we attend, but something that we, a living organism that we are a part of. We are a part of his body. And so the emphasis should be on meaningful membership And while you can find other ways to attend a service or attend a devotion or attend a prayer time when you're off and away at these weekend events that take place uh, during the time that your church meets together on Sundays, um, you cannot be a meaningful member of the church and be a part of something that takes you away from the church for large portions of the calendar year. And um, so I think that it's important that we talk to parents about that and use those terms with them as well. And kind of break through these justifications. Um, you know, when we first started this conversation a, a bit ago, uh, you talked about the the cost. We were talking about the cost financially and with the calendar. And it's amazing to me how parents have said through the years um, that church is just too demanding. But you look at the demands yeah. that travel sports makes on us. I mean, that's just it. It, it really does expose what our hearts and our hearts' affections are centered upon. Um, we can know what our hearts are centered upon by what is easy for us to to pay when it comes to a cost. And if we're not thinking about the 
the debt that we're going into and the time that we are spending with with travel ball, but we look, look we look at church and we look at involvement in student ministry as being a demand on us. I think that that's very telling about what we are worshiping and what our ultimate desire is. Um, and so I think that we need to help parents understand and help students understand who we are as the body of Christ. Um, the truth that uh, it only functions well when all members are growing into maturity, into Christ together, um, that we are being equipped for ministry to the body. We as members are being equipped to ministry to the body and that we have a function in church that it's not just a passive attendance that we are missing when we choose uh, to be a part of something that takes us away from it. Um, we are missing out on the ministry there. We're missing out on the corporate worship and the Sabbath thing together, I guess, if I can say it that way. Um, the, the worshiping together, the exaltation together, but, but the church is also missing my presence there because I have a function to play. Um, they're missing my exercising my spiritual gifts for the benefit of the body. And so, um, you know, we need to do a good job of helping our kids build that foundation, or they are going to launch out into the world and not have a clue as to what it means to be a member of a church. And I think a lot of kids are in that place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, a three, three marks of the church, right? Preaching the word, which we have to sit under. I mean, that's what transforms us. So preach faithful right. preaching of the word, uh, administration of the sacraments, right? Which are means of grace. We understand that. And then as well, uh, church discipline, which uh, that, I mean, even where there is church membership, sometimes that doesn't happen, but I need that. I need yeah. that, right? We all need that. And that's part of that's right. part of that as well. So there's so many things wrapped up in this. Uh, what, yeah. what The last thing you said here in your parent prompt on uh, the section on the word, what does God's word say? Parents are called to embrace their role as a primary faith influencers of their children. We've talked about that a little bit, but anything mm-hmm. else you want to say about that? Just, uh, you know, returning to the to the truth that parents shape um, students uh, more than anybody else. They spend the most time. And, you know, we I have parents at our church. I know that get tired of me saying that, but I want them to hear me say it over and over. Almost every time I gather with parents, um, I begin by reminding them I am not the primary faith influencer of your child. Um, I don't want you to walk away from this thinking that I am, thinking that you can you can step away from this role because it's already fulfilled here at the church. It's not. Um, that you are doing more in the hours that you spend with them every week and the hours maybe where you're not engaged with them, but your children are watching you. You are doing far more to shape um, the foundations of their faith than I ever could as the student pastor here. Um, and my, my goal is to come beside you, um, to help you, to equip you, to encourage you, to walk with you, um, and take, take part in the discipleship of these, of these students. But that is primarily your role. And I think students need to be, or sorry, parents need to be wise to that. And we need to remind them of that, um, that you don't, you know, like I said earlier, you don't choose to not disciple or disciple. You are discipling, uh, you are leading their hearts. You are shepherding their hearts somewhere. Where are they following? And, um, you know, parents just need to be very intentional. I think that that, uh, that might be a good segue into the um, into the, the, the final section there, the walk section. Um, you know, what I call parents to is just intentionality. Um, we do so much just based on where our emotions carry us and our feelings carry us. Um, we must be intentional because we are convictional people or we should be. Um, and whatever decisions we make as a family, we should be able to give a biblical reason as to why we're doing that, at least why it's okay to participate or how much we are participating or why we have made this decision. Um, and, and the problem is in our culture, there's not much, there's not much convictional or conviction out there. You know, we just kind of go with the flow and go with the moment, whatever feels good. And we just need to be careful not to be sucked into that. Yeah. So parents need to need to take, take hold of that and take their role seriously. Yeah. I, I was thinking here, you know, in your section on the word, which is so good, you know, what, what does God's word say? That's a, a question we ask constantly when mm-hmm. we're thinking about any issue. You know, one aspect of this that we, I think we've we've talked about it a little bit, but this is another podcast, and we need to make note of this, Chris, that we address this. But just the issue of Sabbath, you mm-hmm. know, how does that play into this? And we're not talking about, you know, Christian legalism and, you know, pharisaical living, that kind of thing. But what role does this play in this? And I immediately, as an older guy, you know what I think about? Maybe we get everybody together and we watch Chariots of Fire, that great story about (laughs) Eric Liddell, you know, which is moving Mm -hmm. because of the commitments that were made. He made 
you know, regarding Sabbath based on his right. deeper commitment, overarching commitment to Jesus Christ. So, yeah. I, one other thing before we break, it just brought to mind, and I know I've, I've maybe told this story before, but when it comes to sports and believers, I mean, we're not just talking about youth sports here, but adult sports, which are big, right? Uh, church league softball, church league basketball, uh, big thing here in Lancaster County is church volleyball. You know, a lot of the folks mm. playing volleyball. And I always say, you know, because I have experience not with the volleyball thing, but with the other two uh, earlier in my life, those are the closest thing I would say to hell on earth. Um, you know, when you go to those church league games, just because, you know what we do? We try to, we try to uh, sanctify and redeem the thing. By, yeah. like you and you made me think of this we say prayer before we say prayer afterwards right yeah. Yeah, and then right. in between we just we just play <laughs> without sportsmanship and with you know worshiping winning and extremely competitively and there's nothing wrong with competition as long as we can right. you know take it but I oh man I remember I was playing on a we were in a championship uh, I was playing fast pitch softball this was 40 years ago. And uh, on a, in a church league thing, and so we we make it to the championship, and we're winning, right? It's the last inning, and we're winning. We were up by about four or five, and the other team got a couple of guys on base, and they pulled everybody off the field. I mean, when do you take a timeout in a baseball or a softball game? You just don't do that, like in basketball where everybody gathers, but they gather, right. and they're over there, and they're getting very excited, and they pray out loud so we can all hear and they claim victory in Jesus name. And I'm down there at third base going, this is not theologically correct. You can't do that. I wanted to go over and reprimand them for that. And, um, doggone it if they didn't win. So they came back and they won. So I don't know how to do, I still, it's, it's unfinished business for me. I got to figure that out. It's still bothering me, but yeah. Hey, this is great. We're going to take another break. We come back, we'll continue our conversation with some very practical ways for you as a youth worker or you as a parent to have these kinds of conversations and make some good decisions. We'll be right back. The youth ministry and parenting landscape has changed, becoming far more challenging and confusing thanks to how the culture's narratives on sexuality and gender have evolved over the last few years. Our vulnerable children and teens are easily swayed into adopting these new narratives rather than living into God's good design for sex and gender. If you're interested in learning how to speak truth on sex and gender into the lives of the kids you know and love, I invite you to join me and Duffy Robbins for our CPYU Symposium on Traditional Biblical Sexuality in a Changing Youth Culture. Limited to 25 participants, this event will take place in Lancaster, Pennsylvania from November 7th to 10th, 2023. Come and join us and a small group of your youth ministry peers as together we learn, discuss, and strategize on ways our ministries, churches, and families can lead our kids to understand and embrace God's good and loving design. You can learn more and register for our CPYU Symposium on Traditional Biblical Sexuality in a Changing Youth Culture by visiting our website at cpyu.org. Well, as we jump into this last segment and we're talking about youth sports and church participation with Jason Engel, I want to take a little sidetrack here for a minute because as we were chatting with Jason, I was thinking, man, you know, so many good things that he's teaching and he's sharing with us here, and we want to give folks an opportunity to hear from Jason some more, as well as some other trainers. And we've invited Jason this year to join us at our second Northeast Youth Ministry Summit. We do this in conjunction with cooperation with our friends at Reformed Youth Ministries. It's March 4th, uh, 4 to 7, 2024 in Ligonier, Pennsylvania. We limit the uh, registrations because we want to maintain a strong community aspect to this, but it's a very positive time of uh, deep theological reflection, very practical ministry. I think you'll you'll find that it's deep. We want to take you deeper as a youth worker. We have full-timers, volunteers. Last year, I think the age range was like something like 19. To 77. To 77, the youth workers who were there. It was wonderful. They all walked away saying it was a great time. Some who've been around in the youth ministry world for a long time have said it's, you know, this finally, I found my people. This is the best training I've ever been to, and we're working hard to make it that. Our theme is going to be cultivating wisdom and discernment 
we've got numerous people who are coming and go to the website NYM Summit, nymsummit.org, Northeast Youth Ministry Summit.org. You can link to it from cpyu.org. Jason, you'll be there and you're going to be teaching a breakout. Just give us a little preview of what that will be. Yeah, I'm incredibly excited just to be there, just to benefit from it myself, but um, uh, so very honored to be able to, to offer a breakout. And uh, Walt, it's actually um, tied to this, <laughs> tied to what we're talking about today more than than you may know, because uh, the key passage for my breakout is found on the parent prompt. Actually, I, I included it there at the end. It's Paul's introductory prayer there in the in, in his letter to the Philippians. Um, he prays there, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so in the breakout, what I want us to consider is how wisdom is not only cultivated in our minds, but it's cultivated in our hearts. It has to be cultivated in our hearts. Um, you know, wisdom is a very special kind of knowledge in that it is the ability to apply what we know is true. And um, so often, I know uh, James K. Smith has written extensively about this, about how we are not pushed along by what we know, we are pulled about by what we love. And so Paul's prayer here, I think, is so instructive to us, because uh, Paul's desire was to see us um, become mature in Christ. And so an aspect of that, to him at least, when he's writing to this church in Philippi is that our love would be aligned with his love in every regard so that we can um, have discernment so that we can approve what is excellent. And that is what accords with his will. So we're going to talk about how affections are a key aspect to understanding how to help students cultivate wisdom, um, how we need to make sure that we're teaching towards their imagination, using the story of God to help them understand what God is up to and how he has redeemed us to be caught up in what he is doing in the world. So I'm looking forward to, to spending that time. Yeah, I'm so glad you're going to be there. And, and one of the aspects of this that I love, I mentioned the community aspect of it. Mm -hmm. We do this not like at a, at a big hotel or resort. We actually are at the Ligonier Camp and Conference Center, which is in the beautiful Laurel Highlands of Pennsylvania. And we eat all of our meals together around these tables. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Jason, you'll be there. Chris will be there. I'll be there. All of our speakers will be there. And it is such a rich time of interaction just to all be together over the course of those few days there in uh, Ligonier, Pennsylvania at the Ligonier Campus Conference. So, yeah, it's great. It's great. I, I, um, I'm, I'll probably not get much time with you because you'll be swamped with other people and just some good conversations. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, folks, go to nymsummit.org, and you can learn mm -hmm. more, see the lineup, and uh, and register as well. So finish this out here. We have just a few more minutes, a uh, short time, and we always like to end these parent prompts with what we call the walk. You know, okay, so what are we going to do now with the information that we have and how God's Word speaks to that? What does this mean practically? And so... You actually, on yours here, you list seven questions that parents uh, should lead their family in answering as they consider participating mm -hmm. in sports programs. Would you highlight just a couple, perhaps? Yeah, I think, again, I think that the key is intentionality. I just want to drive uh, parents to uh, be convictional um, and be intentional uh, in leading their family to understand the family's philosophy on whatever they're discussing, whatever they're going to be a part of. Uh, but let that come out of convictions, not just because we want to or we feel compelled to, but because this is who we are seeking to be, and this is how that fits in uh, to that. And, you know, the first question that I put there seems so simplistic, but it's one that we often just kind of brush over, and that is the why. Why? Why does our family want to be involved in this? Why should we be involved in this? Why will we be involved in it? And, you know, the question there, does the answer to this question align with our family's foundational convictions? Are we going to have to betray those convictions in some way to do what we may be feeling compelled to do or want to do. And I think it's important that we lead our kids in, in exploring that and talking about that. Um, you know, what are the potential dangers to spiritual lives of our family members? Um, you know, thinking through what are going to be the dangers that we're going to need to be aware of. I think that's extremely important in helping our kids think through the, the potential minds out there that we need to avoid or the snares that our enemy may set for us in this. Just being, uh, again, uh, awake and aware to those things, being sober-minded to... Um, all of the dangers that are going to be a part of this. 
Um, what are the demands, both explicit and implicit demands that this is going to make of our family? Um, just thinking through that, what's it going to cost? What's going to be the cost to our calendar? Um, and then will the sacrifice be worth the cost? Um, is what we're getting out of this going to be worth what we're willing to cost to do it? Um, you know, thinking about other family members, Walt, I find this to be fascinating where a lot of times I'll hear a parent say, well, we've got to go home because we got to be up at 5 a.m. in the morning to travel to such and such for a, you know, for a tournament. And I'll look at a younger sibling who just bows their head, you mm -hmm. know, because they know that they're going to be, um, you know, they're going to have to wake up early in the morning and probably sleep in the car and be drug around all day while big brother or big sister plays and, and is the center of attention. And here are these smaller siblings just being drug along. Um, we need to be careful in that. Parents need to be careful to see what the potential cost is to other members of the family. Um, and, um, you know, how can we as family guard against drifting from our commitment to Christ and his body? Um, that needs to be thought out. You know, um, is it worth it? Um, you know, I'm not saying that travel ball is always wrong. And I think that we need to be careful um, as pastors and leaders to not drift into legalism, you know, and begin to make you know, external commands that we're seeking for families to to obey. Um, but um, we always need to be counting the cost. If it is going to be a short season, then what is that going to be the potential cost? And how can we shepherd our kids to understand why we're doing this and help continue to, to, to point them to Christ during the season? Um, you know, one I think is key, what seems to be my child's spiritual gifts and how can participation help or hinder the development of those gifts for God's glory? Uh, one of the things that I'm, one of the things I grieve over in students missing being a part of the body is that they're not exploring these spiritual gifts to understand what their place in the body is. Um, so understanding that as a parent and leading our kids to understand what their spiritual gifts are, who God has created them to be, and and what He intends them to do with those gifts, and then how we can take those in a missional sense out and use them even as part of uh, our participation in an external sport or something like that. So, you know, you know the, the missional question, how can our family be missional here? Uh, but we need to make sure that that doesn't become a justification. Um, that's why I put that at the end. Uh, only after we answer these, the rest of yeah. these questions can we then begin to think about how we can be missional. So again, you know, this, this is not an exhaustive list. There are other questions yeah. that you can include. But um, again, I just want parents to be intentional and make sure that they are convictional in whatever decisions they make for their families. Yeah. I'm going to throw an extra one in there because as we've been talking about this, and I know during the break or before we, we started, we mentioned this, but just uh, one of the aspects of this is, you know, with kids starting younger and younger and specializing in sports, we don't think a whole lot about the injury factor, the physical right. health. Yep. And one of the things that we're reading is that sports specialization is not good mm -hmm. for kids. So if you've got right. kids in sports, they maybe need to play a variety of different things. Over the course of the different seasons, they wear their bodies out and some of the pushing that's done for kids with sports specialization. And then, you know, another aspect of it here, and I, I know we'll link to this particular podcast. We talked to a staff member from the Concussion Legacy Foundation a couple of years ago. We need to revisit that and get them on again because they're learning so much more about concussions. My kids, you know, all of them played sports where there were head injuries involved. Uh, even the girls, you know, getting hit in the head with a field hockey ball or, you know, heading a soccer ball. There's a lot of research on that right now. And so there has to be a concern about stewarding oh, yeah. our bodies. Um, it was, it's really interesting. I, I saw this st statistic. Nearly 100,000 youth and 80,000 high school football players sustain a concussion each year. And wow. CTE, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy, has been diagnosed in individuals with no known history of concussions, but who were exposed mm. to repetitive sub-concussive impacts. And that is huge. And I, I, it's on my mind because just two nights ago, before we came in here to record, I watched the on uh, Amazon, uh, I'm an Eagles fan, Philadelphia Eagles fan, uh, J Jason Kelsey, the documentary on him and his family. And there's this touching moment where he's being interviewed and he's thinking out loud and pondering to the camera during this interview, you know, what have I done to my head? What have I done to my brain? Because every practice, every game, I'm hitting people. And, you know, the NFL and college football, they recognize this. High school as well because there's new protocols. And when you watch, you know, news reports now of your team getting ready for this week's game when they're out on the practice field, you'll notice they have helmets on, but on top of the helmets are these yeah, big air bubbles, cushions, right? Yeah. Okay, the cushions. Yeah, right. So, and I mean, we're recognizing this, but I'm not sure that we're doing enough. And he said, I don't know. 
if I'm going to be able to function well enough to hold my grandchildren, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that is devastating when you think about it because in the moment you're going, ah, it's not going to happen to me. Ah, it's not going to happen to my kids. But this is a very real thing, and so physical health as well. Jason, any and we see that we see that happen in Walt even in in baseball, which is yeah. you know, the, the sport that I love the most. With with uh, you know kids uh, pitching a number of innings uh, in, in travel yes. ball weekend, and then coming to their little league games the next week, and parents maybe shading the you know the truth about how much they had pitched the weekend before. And you're hearing more and more about eighteen and nineteen year old um, eighteen and nineteen year olds having Tommy John surgery yep. and this yep. stuff. I mean, it's just it's it's unbelievable. And I think you hit the nail right there on the head that we're thinking in the moment and we're not thinking out in the future. And we think that it's not going to happen to our kids. And this yeah. is necessary for their development when really we're, we're doing some pretty detrimental things. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, when I was playing, everything was fastball, 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 some yep. of them slow. Yep. Right. And, um, <laughs> I was, I was a catcher. So we did have one pitcher who was fooling around with a curveball, but I remember the coach saying, do not do that. Because there was enough mm-hmm. knowledge then that this is going to hurt your arm and destroy That's your right. muscles and your growth plates. And now I watched a lot of the Little League World Series, and you're watching these kids. And oh, when yeah. you're, you're on that center field camera and you're watching the movement on those pitches, you're going, wow. You know, they have pitch limits pitches. on those kids. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and, they, and, you know, there's a pitch limit on them, which is good, as you said. Yeah. But still, you know, what are we doing to ourselves? And this is the thing. Only time will tell. You That's know? Right. Um I wish I knew then what I know now. That's like right. a mantra I think we're going to hear a lot. So any final words to folks, Jason, as we close this out? No, just I'm, I'm thankful that you're bringing more awareness to this. And, and this can be, you know, for student ministry leaders who may be listening to this, this can be an awkward conversation and it can be a hard conversation because anytime we are speaking into um, any any form of idolatry, it's going to be a hard, hard conversation uh, because... Um, let's not be above um, ourselves admitting that we can come to love our idols and we don't see them as idols often. Um, And so how good is it for brothers and sisters who love us enough to approach us and speak into it for the sake of our own lives, but the sake of our families as well? Um, Just know that it's worth it. Having these conversations are worth it. And, you know, letting families know that I, I love you. I love you. And I'm not just speaking out of hurt feelings that your kids aren't involved in my thing. Um, I'm grieving the loss of their presence, but I want to see them um, set a trajectory for their lives where they're going to come to know and treasure Jesus, because I think that that is what's going to lead to flourishing in all regards, sports and everything else. And so I love them enough maybe to have a hard conversation. I love parents enough to have a hard conversation with you and challenging this and challenging you to be convictional and gain the right picture um, of the story that we are to be swept up in, the only story that leads to life. Yeah, that's a good word. And, and I want to say this is what these parent prompts are for. You, you can put the weight of the heaviness and the difficulty of the conversation on us just by getting these in their hands on whatever that's topic right. it is. And they're all free. They can be downloaded on our website, cpyu.org. It's a CPYU parent prompt. Jason's here is on youth sports and church participation. This one is a really good one to get in the hands. And I love your uh, I love your recommendation of the resource center. I saw someone online on one of the forums asking about that, you know, how do we set that up? And we've got so much there that you can just download and print out and put out there that parents oh, yeah. can take. So hopefully we'll help you with that. Jason, thanks so much. Uh, oh, again, thanks for having me. Thank you. And a, a reminder to everybody, uh, go to the our homepage, cpyu.org, scroll down, Find the Youth Culture Matters podcast. Find the particular page, the player for this podcast, and you'll see down underneath there everything will be listed. Chris Wagner will put that all there for us, all the links to everything that we've mentioned today. And uh, a little bit more. i got a couple things I'm going to feed to him after we get off here that you can find there as well. So thank you, everybody, and we will talk to you on the next episode of Youth Culture Matters. Thanks for joining us for Youth Culture Matters, a podcast from the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. If you'd like to learn more about today's youth culture, visit our website at cpyu.org. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, email us at podcast at cpyu.org.